0: Hello and welcome to the second series of Beyond the Balance Sheet, a podcast brought to you by Quilter Financial Planning. We're here to lift the lid on the world of financial advice, providing insight for those already in the industry and anyone thinking of a new career. I'm Hannah Vaughan-Jones. Join me in this second series as we address common misconceptions head on, gather advice from both practicing advisors and external experts, speak with those who have overcome hurdles and hear people's inspiring stories from all walks of life. In today's episode we're focusing on how looking after your well-being can be integral to success and I have two guests joining me today for the discussion. They are Nick Elston, inspirational speaker and founder of Forging People and Kevin Kennard, Managing Director at David James Wealth. Nick, Kevin, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hello. Hello, great to be here, thank you.
0: Lovely to see you both. I I know no one else can see you, but I can. So it's lovely to see you. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to go
1: in. It's a blessing for me anyway. (laughs) I can't speak for Kevin, but for me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go straight in with a very, very big, uh, a, a big question to kick things off. And we're talking about the concept of, wellness and well-being it's a bit like the holy grail isn't it that the meaning of life and the pursuit of happiness but um question nick i'll come to you first on this Mm. is there a method a kind of a one-size-fits-all approach that we should all adopt in in trying to achieve that that work-life balance
1: uh the short answer for me is no but it's probably not long enough for a podcast is it so i think for me it's personal opinion uh but i think for me work-life balance is a myth um i think it's the same us that shows up here in the work environment, but it is the one that goes home later on. So actually, there is no disconnect when it comes to the humanity of well-being and mental health. And I think the challenges come from recognizing that we there's no one fix or, or no one playbook for everybody to be successful by that very subjective work. Um, and people like to work different ways, different patterns, different times. So for me, work-life balance is it's actually just about balance for me.
0: Interesting. So um, there is still a balance to be struck, but it, it, it doesn't exist in terms of like prioritising work over your well-being or, or, or otherwise. Is that is that the point you're trying to make there?
1: Yeah, I think it's finding balance in everything that we do. I mean, a lot of people uh, actually for them, their professional lives actually are their safer place. It's a place where they have more an element of control so they can factor in more well-being elements to their structured day than they can in a in a hectic home life, for example.
0: Mm. And Kevin, uh, your your take on this then, do you think it's right then that, that people's well-being is put kind of at the top of the priority list when it comes to trying to, trying to achieve some kind of balance?
2: Yeah, I think um, well-being is a priority for everybody, um, but I don't think that it's about necessarily the work-life balance. I agree with Nick. I think it's about balance in your life um, and about moderation um, to some extent. Um, you yeah, know, we can't... Um, decide for anybody what, what that looks like. I think it's different for everybody. Everybody has different points at which um, they'll overflow um, and tip, and, and, and other people will be able to take strain on, you know, to a much greater extent. And I think it's being, having that, the open lines of communication, so particularly in a workplace, you know, it, it's impossible for people to leave their home life um, at the door um, and switch off completely to all the challenges that happen, you know, at home, in relationships, with children, with, you know, whatever's going on outside of their, their work life. Um, and I think being open and communicating is the key to successful relationships, whether they're personal or business. Um, and, and for me, that's, that's how you strike the balance is by having a grown up conversation with people at home and people at work.
0: It could, because it is all subjective, isn't it? Like, like, like you've both said. And I guess the point is that, that you can have someone who's working really, really, really hard and maybe it, to having to sacrifice some of their social life or their personal relationships in completing that very, very hard work task at hand. But that doesn't mean that they're, they are imbalanced in any way. They just happen to be working really hard at that time on that one thing.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. And I think it's about the contract that you've got with your partner, you know, and, and your and your family. So for me, I might work long hours and and you know, and, and hopefully that means I'm working hard, um, not necessarily connected. But it's very clear in terms <laughs> of the sort of division of labour, if you like, within the family. Um and I think as long as you've got that sort of contract in your family and they understand and appreciate what you're doing, they know when you're available and and, and, and when you're not. Um if you can avoid chaos i think is 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 the key um you can be um chaotic and unproductive but 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 feel that you're extremely busy um i think the sense of achievement from from what you you know get done in a day is the key thing um so having structure and order um you know having we've got five children so structure and order is essential um it's like a military camp so um that that flows through right. my whole life you know when it's the home That's life is 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 challenging logistically and and work life is too and i think you know if 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 i wasn't able to have um a structured approach and sort of discipline around work and and personal life then it just wouldn't work and i think trying to sort of share some of those tips with people in the team and 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 helping other people to find that balance you know we've all got our strengths and weaknesses I'm quite good at sort of managing my time, but other people really struggle with it.
0: Well, I, I bow down to you with five children, goodness me. <laughs> <knee>. um, <laughs> uh, but uh, Nick, it's interesting that that point about um, everyone's sense of balance being subjective and being different, but is everyone's sense of chaos the same? Is that, is that a one-size-fits-all?
1: <laughs> no, it's not actually. It's interesting because I, I kind of really resonated with when uh, Kevin said about kind of chaos, because I think a lot of the times that there's there's a lot to be found in the chaos, but I think it's a case of, of really knowing and asking yourself, why am I doing what I'm doing? And I think that's the bit that we lose. As Kevin rightly said, you can go around being a busy fool to that extent, but why are you doing what you're doing? Is it actually achieving something? And this is personally and professionally. For me, I think a little bit of chaos is a good thing for me personally, but again, there's no no one rule book for this. But I also think we need to be clear about what our boundaries are um, and fully understand that when we set our boundaries – and I love the word that Kevin used during contract in that kind of upfront agreement with people on how you want to be interacted with is so crucial and in, in communicating why you're doing what you're doing and who you're doing it for. But I think boundaries aren't really the problem. We kind of know how we want to live and we want to work and, and everything else. But unless you communicate those boundaries to people around you, nothing changes from a mental health perspective because the stress level is still the same because you haven't managed the expectations of your environment so your personal and professional environment your your work life unless you communicate these boundaries to people nothing changes because the expectation on you doesn't change
0: and obviously this podcast is all focused on the financial advice sector kevin this is your sector that, that you work in as well is there a is there a big problem or is there a specific problem within financial advice or the financial sector and the culture at play there that means that people are overworked or they are Um, unable or traditionally kind of like struggling struggling to perhaps find a sense of balance between their home life and their professional life.
2: Yeah, I think, um, you know, we're in a privileged position as financial advisors in as far as we are really key in people's lives. And so the job that we do is one of supporting other people. Um, and so you're working to support other people's chaos sometimes. Um, and, to the detriment know, of your own. Well, quite. And solving their challenges um, and being there for them. And I think the nature of life is that you can't choose when things, you know, change. And the changes can be good or bad. Um, but change happens all the time for people. And as an advisor, as a financial planner, being there for your clients is really important. Um, and if you if you're really passionate about what you do then naturally you want to be there because, you know, they're professional friends, really, um, your clients. Um, and so when they need you, they need you. And that can mean that you're putting yourself under pressure in order to, to serve their needs. Because generally speaking, you've got a sort of a, a, a range of tasks that you plan to do in a given day, week or month. And then the thing that makes the job pressurized is all the extra things that come in. The emails and the phone calls and the WhatsApps and the, just the twenty four seven availability of life now is it, it makes that balance much much harder to strike. Um, if you've got emails and client WhatsApp messages and things coming through, you know, in your supposed downtime, um, it's hard to ignore them. Um, and 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 I guess you know that's where you've got to be fairly disciplined in terms of when you're willing to respond um, and when you're not.
0: Yeah, because I can I can just imagine you know emails coming through at sort sort of eight nine o'clock at night when other people have clocked off and they're they're doing their own personal admin and you're you know in your case in particular Kevin you know knee deep in five children other and their other admin as well at the time <laughs> um, bedtimes and late bedtimes and all of that uh, that goes with it so yeah clearly a very you know very difficult. A balance for the individual to take. Um, uh, Nick, I want to talk to you more broadly about the, the language that we're using now um, in our sort of like common vernacular about self care and and, and well being. It, it certainly seems to be kind of terminology and language that we all hear around us all the time now, far more commonly. Why do you think that is? Why do you think we're suddenly more accepting, seemingly as a society, of the terms wellness and well being?
1: I think we're more accepting, but I think I still think the terms are used incorrectly uh, I mean people will actually say to me after and it happened this week I was speaking at a conference and straight after somebody come up and said Nick I have mental health yeah of course you do 100% of the humans on the planet have mental health but we're kind of been conditioned to use mental health in the negative and it also gets mashed in with mental illness as well so on that front if we're using mental health as a negative terminology it's no so no wonder there's a stigma around it So I think we need to start to use the term mental health in its neutral state, whether it's good or whether it's bad. For me, mental health is a muscle, something we can influence and nurture and nourish every day, even if it's in between periods of help or medication or support, whatever you need at that time. On the the well-being self-care use of language, I think there is a real challenge. I think especially in uh, kind of traditional uh, businesses and industries such as, uh, as financial services, financial planning, that there's two extremes of reactions that I get when it comes to doing what I do in the mental health space. I guess, first of all, somebody thinks it's going to be dry, heavy, boring, that he's going to try and fix me. That's not me at all. You don't want that. Trust me. Uh, or on the other side, they think I'm going to light a fire X. I run around naked with a joystick. Somewhere in the <laughs> middle is the truth. And I'm not for sure anything, by the way. But the point is, I think that we need to start to change our association with self-care. And I think here in the UK, especially, Culturally and generationally, we've been brought up to believe that self-care is selfish. So we'll feel guilty when we put ourselves before anything or anyone or our families or whatever that may be. And that's the problem we have. So we don't. And and every day when we're not putting ourselves first, not being selfish in its truest sense, we are putting ourselves at a real risk of things like burnout and, uh, and subsequent breakdown.
0: Of course, over the last couple of years, we've all uh, commonly experienced uh, the pandemic and the impact of that. There's so much in the press now about quiet quitting or people having a complete sort of, you know, reassessment of how they want to live their lives and, you know, living to working to live rather than the other way around, etc. Uh, Kevin, from your perspective in the in the financial services industry, then, do you think that the pandemic has had a, a significant impact on how people approach work within the sector?
2: I think it has. Um, it's For some people, it's been a, of benefit in as far as they've they've arrived at a place now where they've got a lot more flexibility around how they work and when they work um, and, and, and that hybrid working, you know, some working from home, some working in the office. And for some people, that's, that's really helpful for their, their sort of mental well-being in as far as they, you know, they can cope with the full-on sort of office and the commute and everything else for sort of two or three days a week and it gives them a bit of a calmer, more focused time for the rest of the week. So that side of things, you know, I think has been well received. And I think the other thing it's helped really is with the conversation around, um, and, and you talked about everybody's experienced that together. And I think that's the thing is everybody's had that in common. So the conversations have been more natural around actually wasn't that stressful at that particular point. And, you know, that enforced lockdown and your loss of you know, control and ability to make decisions for yourself, all that stuff being removed. The fact that we all shared that has made it easier to then extend that conversation on to then, you know, re- reflecting on on other areas of, of, of challenge um, and, and opening up the conversation really about how you feel um, and, and, and what impact change might have, um, you know, whether that's, you know, change within the business or change at home or change of location or working hours or whatever you know just it it helps that conversation
0: and and one of the other ways that we've been further connected i suppose whilst being disconnected through lockdowns has been social media we've we've been able to stay in touch with each other through social media and it, that has good sides and bad sides, you know the bad side, arguably I would say would be the the increase in comparison that that we we compare ourselves so much more to to others, perhaps in the in the industry or just other individuals of the same in your peer group or whatever it might be. that would be a challenge, I would think to anyone, and especially someone who perhaps in the financial services sector who is now working from home who's doing a lot of their work online and digitally they're having less physical human to human connection and it's all done through the through the the, the likes of mm-hmm. the metaverse etc uh,
2: yeah i think it's hard to relax really with your, with your social media presence um i think there's a real pressure from it um, a pressure to be seen to be achieving to be you know having living your best life and all, all this sort of stuff and yeah. you know, all these phrases that come out um and i think also just professionally really you have to sort of have in the back of your mind Anybody at any time could access any content that is out there. So, you know, to some extent, if you're in somebody's life as a professional um, that they can lean on in times where they need to make difficult decisions that are life changing for them, um, you need to be careful how much fun you're to have in your real life away from your professional life. Yeah. Um, I've actually, you know, made the decision not to be on any social media platforms other than LinkedIn for work. Um, I've got a presence and a profile on on others but I just don't interact on them um, mm. just because I feel like it's too challenging um, to try and manage it in a, in, a, in a way where I can feel comfortable
0: and it can, it's quite a toxic environment for some people mm. Nick um, you were sort of nodding along um <laughs> when you when especially when that phrase came up of living your best is <laughs> uh,
1: the don't get me started <laughs> I think Kevin absolutely nailed it. I'm the same. I only exist really on LinkedIn and YouTube and that's it. And that's purely for, for commercial reasons and to reach the audience. But everything else is just constant connection, constant noise and very often toxicity. It has to be said that Harvard did a study between 18 and 29 year olds. Social media was the biggest source of anxiety. But in the same survey with the same demographic, it was the biggest source of positive community for mental health. So it's not necessarily the platforms. It's our immersion in those platforms. And I think certainly either through overuse or if we're not in a great place right now, we end up kind of doom scrolling. We feel worse every time we interact with it. And I think therein really lies the challenge. I I, f- I feel the biggest challenge when it comes to social media from a mental health perspective is it gives you the the kind of understanding or the belief that we should all be happy all the time. and And I know this can be controversial to some, but I think it's very damaging the pursuit of happiness in that sense. But if we expect to be happy as our zero point every single day, we're kind of setting ourselves up for a fall. Um, for me, as somebody who's had mental illness for decades, that actually a good zero point for me is just okay. It's peace of mind. So actually then I appreciate the, ha- the happy and the good stuff. But I deal with the bad stuff a lot better than I would if I were expecting to go into a day like a Disney movie. We, yeah. we do get blindsided. For yeah. me, it's about how do we get back up again? That's That's the bit for me.
0: Yeah, you know, it was the ebb and flow, isn't it? That, that that's that's what life is all about. Absolutely. Um, I mean, going back to sort of the the business and the financial services sector and financial advice sector in particular. How, Kevin? Question for you: How would you say that that for your employees, taking care of of their well being, of your own well being as well, how does that directly benefit your business?
2: Yeah, so we've um, we take it really seriously. Uh, first of all, um, a happy workforce is a productive workforce. Um, and happiness comes from finding balance in your life, finding contentedness, um, and 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 being healthy. And so some of the things that we've introduced for our team are very much to promote that. So things like having a cycle to work scheme, um, having private medical insurance, and very much, you know, putting the benefits forward of reaching out on the sort of the, the mental health uh, assistance side, um, you know, having that pathway to have conversations not necessarily treatment sometimes it's just to to actually vocalize how you're feeling is all you need to do um just to be heard and sometimes be heard by somebody that 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 then you're never going to see or speak to again um because you just need to dump that that thought process with somebody Um, so we we've introduced all those things and we have quite a diverse team um, in terms of men and women um, different cultural backgrounds uh, different ages and I feel that you know we work we operate you know much like a sort of a a sort of a a professional family if you like um, encouraging people to speak um, and to touch base with each other on a regular basis not about work not about have you done this task have you done that no just how are you and and then you know don't take the first response how are you really Um, just to sort of really ask the question because you genuinely want the answer. Um, And I think that's the thing, isn't it? You can give that fake sort of, yeah, everything's fine. Yeah, great. Yeah. Had a lovely weekend. Reality is terrible weekend. Everything went wrong. Um, You're feeling stressed. You're not really ready to start the week, Um, (laughs) et cetera, et cetera. And everybody has those moments. And I think just being real um, with the team, uh, you know, we lead um, with, with vulnerability ourselves, you know, so we're open about, you know, we don't all have good days. obviously try and be positive and promote positivity in the business to try and drive things forward but at the same time the reality is that sometimes life just sort of throws things at you that you're not expecting and it's tough um you you think with
0: you having five children you think you'd have a big enough family already but (laughs) you're trying to expand it into into your professional life as well always (laughs) ready to
2: adopt more yeah
0: (laughs) i won't tell your partner that Um, (laughs) um i mean has it had a tangible difference though, having these these workplace uh, policies, has it had a tangible difference on your bottom line and, and in terms of like productivity and profitability?
2: Yeah, so there's definitely, a, obviously there's quite a significant cost in providing all of these things. Um, but what I would say, is, you look at sort of where we are year to date, I think, you know, as a team of 15 people, we've maybe had, you know, a handful of, of sick days across the whole team, you know, two or three sick days. So um, that, hopefully means that people have been at work and been productive. Uh, It's hard to measure these things. Um, But to some extent, you know, we don't really need to measure it. Um, We've got values for our business. um, And one of them is doing the right thing. We just feel this is just doing the right thing. Um, Have it being there for for, for the team, um, providing things they can't necessarily afford to provide for themselves, promoting it as well to make sure that they use it. And and, and lots of people in the team have made use of, of the healthcare benefits that we provide.
0: And Nick, then what do you make of what Kevin's talked about in terms of the what's on offer from David James Wealth, but also how other businesses can potentially you know, support their employees in, in prioritising their own well-being?
1: For me, it's amazing to hear that Kevin's, weirdly, it's the bit that you probably wouldn't expect me to say that I, felt, I, felt I was most impressed with. I think that use of vulnerability, actually. I think that the reason why I'm not solution-focused at all in the mental health space, that for me, the gap is the engagement. You can have every initiative or solution under the sun, you can spend a whole budget on this stuff, but unless you get the engagement, nothing changes. And for me, the perfect vehicle to drive that engagement is being able to share your own vulnerability and lived experience with people around you. And not just people like myself that come in externally, but like Kevin talking about very openly, you have bad days, you have good days. And actually that makes people far more approachable uh, to, to speak to Kevin around this stuff because he's giving people the truth with capital T's. I like that. I think that's, that's really powerful. People can then feel what he's talking about, not just hear what he's talking about. It's not just a tick box kind of measure. And I think widely in the industry, I think that's something that we can all benefit from how Kevin does this stuff is because it's the more that we share ourselves, the faster, the deeper, the stronger connection we have with people than any superficial message will ever deliver. And that's what we're kind of trained to do. We're trained to give superficial messages in professional services generally. It's not a financial thing specifically, but that's the case. So I really love the approach. It's great you have the solutions, but I love your approach, Kevin. I think yeah. it also
2: extends to the relationships we have with our clients as well. So we're, mm-hmm. we're there for our clients and we have real conversations with them and again, share personal stories with them. You know, if, if, if somebody's, going through a divorce and 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 you've also been through that experience and you're able to share that journey with them and help them through that in a way that's you know genuine um from a place of really caring um the relationships you then have with clients are far stronger so you in in theory um if if advisors financial planners whatever you want to call us are doing a good job then we should be really natural at this this should just come as second nature But I think, you know, we are seeing a big culture shift within the industry away from the old school salespeople where it's all about personal performance to being professional financial planners, where actually it's a team approach. You collaborate on the client work. It's not about who's got the best performance or or, or whatever. It's actually about just delivering great outcomes for clients and really caring about them and their lives and their families and their businesses. And that's it's just taking a real interest in people.
1: I'm so yeah. i'm so pleased you mentioned the client facing stuff because it's important to recognize and there is the elephant in the room when it comes to your sector your industry is that your relationship with your client they will have far more trust and rapport with you than they would have with their gp or their counselor gone over days as a generalism of a familial relationship with your gp so if you have that level of trust and rapport with you then actually they're going to tell you everything not just the uh, the business stuff but the personal stuff and the factors that's making up their decisions around their money and we cannot underestimate the link between your money and your mental health to people that are outside of the financial industry as well it's such a huge subject and obviously the rise in in financial well-being as a topic is, is really helping that too but I'm so glad you mentioned the client stuff because that's the bit that really uh is worth tuning into especially I think
0: it's those foundational building blocks of, of relationships, really, isn't it? Which is, you know, honesty and authenticity, which, you know, we're going to hear again and again in, throughout this series, I'm, I'm sure. Mm. Um, that is all we have time for on this episode. But it's been absolutely fascinating to get your, your, your insights into wellness, well-being and how to strike a balance if a balance is there to be struck at all. Thank you all for joining us today for Beyond the Balance Sheet. It's brought to you by Quilter Financial Planning. You can find us at www.quilter.com or our advisor school is at www.careers.quilter.com. Also, please do subscribe to this podcast through your preferred platform. I'm Hannah Vaughan-Jones. Thank you so much for joining our conversation.